I felt like when I presented the idea in 2012 to the community, a lot of healthcare professionals kind of blew it off as like, oh, you can't do it, right? Naysayers, you can't do that. You need millions of dollars. There's nobody in the community that's going to help you. So they kind of blew the model off. Welcome to the Crossing It Off podcast, where we believe living with intention through a bucket list lifestyle is a great way to bring yourself personal joy. As you are crossing items off your list, you're actually filling up your bucket. The more items you cross off, the more joy gets added, until eventually your joy spills over into the lives of those around you. Now, let's start crossing it off together. This time, I'd like to welcome my bucket list storyteller, Dr. Katrina Wynn, and she describes herself as a pediatric gastroenterologist, keynote speaker, international best-selling author, and nonprofit founder. Katrina, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. So tell us, what did you cross off your list? Getting something trademarked. Okay. So... I have no idea what this takes or entails. So could you just tell us a little bit about like, what is a trademark? Maybe what's the difference between that and a copyright? So um, a trademark uh, in, in my uh, experience was trying to get intellectual property, you know, uh, licensed and protected. Okay. So uh, one more step, what's intellectual property? So anything that, you know, like you design a, a blueprint for an idea, uh, you know, beyond, you know, it's like beyond like a book title, right? So uh, it could be like a logo. It could be a, a blueprint of how to create a, a program, an organization, a name, the logo for the organization, the name of the website. Um, so things that, that you really don't want somebody else to use without your permission. Okay. Um, so that's basically kind of a simple thing. Yeah. Simple definition. <laughs> yeah. And so where were you in your life when you decided, okay, I'm going to get this, you know, I have this idea or I have this intellectual property. Where were you when you decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to cross this off my bucket list. Why was it important to you? Mm, it came um, about in 2014. I was uh, in the middle of uh, creating a nonprofit for, to fight childhood obesity. And in 2012, 2011, 2012, I was in Georgia and created the first community-based childhood obesity program. But then I didn't have a nonprofit at that point, but people were very excited about the fact that I created something that didn't require the hospital clinic, even though I was a doctor and still can influence children's health and families' health. So when I came to Illinois in June of 13, my partners here said, can you do a program in Illinois, Rockford, Illinois, like you did in Georgia? That was when the idea of creating a nonprofit started. And I said, well, seems like people are excited. Maybe somebody wants to do what I do in the future. Let's get it protected. Why the need for protection? Explain that a little bit. Like, you know, no big deal. If you say you're a nonprofit and you're doing these things, why do you need to protect it with this trademark? Well, I think a lot of hard work and thinking and planning was involved. And uh, I felt like when I presented the idea in 2012 to the community, a lot of healthcare professionals kind of blew it off as like, oh, you can't do it, right? Naysayers. You can't do that. You need millions of dollars. There's nobody in the community that's going to help you. So they kind of blew the model off. But I applied for a grant through the American Academy of Pediatrics and was granted, and they only give between 60 to 80 grants a year. 
so the reason that they would grant someone um, like an idea, like $3,000, is if they feel it can be replicated anywhere, any city, any state, not specific to any university or hospital or clinic. And I felt like a lot of work was put into it. And I really wanted to prove naysayers that at some point, somebody's going to be like, wow, I want to do what she did, mm-hmm. you know, and and say that it's important. And it's it, it's something that's going to help other people. When you put a lot of effort to that, you want to really maintain that credit for the future. Okay. So how do you go about getting trademarked? You just like write up a proposal and send it to somebody. How's that piece of it work? When I started the first program in Georgia, I actually did a a presentation called the Obesity Summit, right? And I presented these are the pieces of the puzzle that would need to be, you know, be present in the community to make it happen. And then I replicated that in Rockford, Illinois, just a model and then just plugged in, you know, what our community have and how it could fit into the, the blueprint and the model. You know, basically what, you know, what I found is that if I can use that blueprint, I can help people that are passionate about the cause to find the right partnerships to to make it happen. How it happened, I always talk about it as divine intervention, right? So I say whenever I look for partnerships and it doesn't happen, it's just not meant to be. And for me, like spiritually, there's not a connection there. People are on the same page. We don't have the right, you know, partnerships and passion. In 2014, in the middle of you know, trying to decide how am I going to get trademark? I actually asked a lot of people in Illinois because I was new to the area. Do you know any attorneys that do patent and trademarks? And, you know, either they cost too much or they didn't really understand why I want to do it or they weren't really passionate about the cause. So they didn't really want to help. Uh, and if they wanted to help, it was like really expensive and I wasn't ready to commit that. And so around the same time, um, I, I, the mother of a former patient in Georgia emailed me and asked me if I could write a letter for her daughter who I'd cared for because she was uh, trying to join a sorority in college. <clears throat> and I had to kind of explain why the child was very sick and hospitalized often before I was sought out as a second opinion and made the diagnosis and treated her and she got better. But, the, you know, the school still wanted to know why there was this like change in school, alternative high school, that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the letter, the mom signed it as trademark and patent specialist. <laughs> <laughs> and she was a you know paralegal for an attorney. And it was like one of the top like five trademark and patent, you know, attorneys like in the US. They had mm-hmm. a branch in Atlanta and also I know in Washington too. So that's what happened. I mean, and I thought, wow, you know, this is meant to be like this person who I care for her daughter is coming back to like, she didn't know that I had that desire, but it just landed right in my lap. And then they, you know, charged me a little bit, not, not unreasonable beginning, but after I became a nonprofit, they've been doing representing us pro bono. Mm. And so we became trademarked by like April of 2016. We formed a nonprofit in November of 2014. And um, the nonprofit status was issued in January 2015. So it was fairly quick. And then we just renewed uh, after six years. So in 2022, we have to renew to show evidence that we've been using mm-hmm. the name and the logo and all that. So, you know, so they're kind of monitoring that to let me know whenever I have to renew it again. Yeah. And 
So the renewal process or the, the original process, there's paperwork involved that goes somewhere. Where does that go? Yeah. So the initial part, like um, I had to do some, you know, conference phone calling about the name, the website, the logo design, kind of the colors, like the meaning behind things so they could explain why it's the way it is and the meaning of colors, the meaning of figures. Um, and they also had to do like the initial cost was doing like a search on whether the names have been used and whether there's any similar logos. Um, and then there, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like it was like a, like a 30 to 60 day period after the initial paperwork was submitted to the office, uh, for trademark and patents. Um, then they had to give time for people to dispute and challenge whether there's any similarity in name or logo before they could actually move forward with getting it approved. So that's, that was the process. And actually for us, getting it approved was fairly quick because of, you know, how good the attorneys were in their experience. So most people are surprised. We're like, wow, like, you know, within a year, year and a half after you became a nonprofit, this thing went through. <laughs> so that's what happened. Yeah. And so what does that gain you and the nonprofit having those, those things trademarked? You know, there's a certain level of, of prestige that's involved in it because it does when I go and do like presentations um, about childhood obesity, um, after that, like in the past, before it became trademark, like I would get invited to do like keynotes, you know, for nursing, medical conferences, continuing medical education, but it was very sporadic. Uh, but after I got trademarked and I had the nonprofit programs, the medical school here at Rockford actually had me on the schedule every year. I was like hooked into the curriculum for first and second year medical students. And it was like, people looked at it as like, it's a, it's a privilege. Like there's an expert in this field who, whose work and credibility and intellectual property is licensed and trademarked. And she's like, she's actually a big deal. <laughs> and, and I think it's like building that prestige and the connection where people actually want you to be part of something um, to influence future education for medical students. And so if somebody else wanted to do this and they said, Oh, I, th I have this idea or I have this stuff, you know, I have, I have this program and they wanted to get a trademark. What would be the thing that you would say is like number one things they should do if they're going to go through this process? Well, I think um, initially what I did, even before I, I met with an attorney, um, was actually did my own search online. So if I had names, like I wrote down names of like why that name's important, what's the meaning behind it? How would I explain that name to someone to have them understand in its relation to the name or the logo with what I do? And then do a search online to see like, is that name been used? Is there a logo that I'm thinking that could be similar, that could be disputed? So you have to kind of do your own research first before you think about getting an attorney because they'll do the work, but they also rely on you having some knowledge because you're the expert in what you're trying to pursue and your passion. And then, you know, the other thing is think about the fact that how passionate are you about it, where if you're going to run into roadblocks. Are you going to give up or is it so important that it doesn't matter how many challenges or how long you're going to go through it because it's an investment in time and also money. So, yeah, but um, and especially if you're a nonprofit like myself, that's the reason why you're doing it, not like a business. Uh, look for attorneys that 
would be able to vote, devote their time and their talent to because they are passionate about what you're doing. So that in the long run, when it involves new renewals and things like why I had, they're not going to charge you every single time. Here at the Crossing It Off podcast, we are passionate about inspiring you in your bucket list lifestyle and empowering you to live out your list. We offer many resources to assist you in your bucket list journey, such as web resources in the show notes, bucket list mentoring services, my book, Live Out Your Lists, a private Facebook group for you to share your bucket list success stories with others, and more. All of these can be found at crossingitoffpodcast.com. Find the resource that fits your need so that you can live out your list. Now back to the show. Yeah, that's some good advice. Uh, it always shocks me that uh, the, the word Super Bowl is trademarked by the NFL. So that's why people can't have Super Bowl parties you know, at yeah. their churches and stuff. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting you talked about defending, you know, actually using it and defending yeah. it. And yeah. that's one of the reasons why the NFL sends letters to churches to say, Hey, you can't have a Super Bowl party because mm-hmm. if they don't defend that trademark against churches, you know, even though they're, they're not really profiting from the use, they can't go after Best Buy or Menards or whoever mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. is trying to use that term too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've always thought that that was super interesting that you, mm-hmm. have, to, you have to show that you vigorously defended on all levels, not just mm-hmm. in certain mm-hmm. specific instances. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah, Katrina, what was it like for you after you had crossed this off? What, what, how did you feel? And tr- you know, was there anything in your life that transformed you that you looked at the world differently now that you had this and could cross this off your list? Um, you know, I never thought like even when I went to medical school, you know, I thought, oh, one day I'm going to form a nonprofit, but I never thought one day I'm going to get something trademarked. Um, but then when I got the achieved, I said, if I can achieve that, you know, I can achieve anything. Like I just looked at it. It's like, it was like the biggest deal that, um, like it was difficult. And then it made me realize that if things are meant to be, it'll fall into place. And so it's all about defining and and praying for your, your purpose and your mission in life. And that's what the, you know, getting the trademark was, it was like, it was my mission. It was supposed to be my purpose. I, I was supposed to get, get connected with these people to make it happen. Just like I did with my nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> was there anything that happened during the process that was frustrating that maybe you didn't know about that was, that happened that kind of challenged that a little bit? I would say probably the waiting time of, uh you know, once you like the hard work was getting it submitted and then we're like waiting and going, okay, is somebody going to challenge it? Or what would we do if they challenged it? What am I going to change? And yeah, lucky for us, there was no challenges, but I didn't realize that that was that part of it. You know, I thought, oh, we're just going to submit it. And then if they like it and they approve it, and then we just have to change our language and whatever, you know, I didn't realize there was that challenge part of the waiting time. (laughs) And, and was there anything surprisingly you know, good about the process that, you know, you weren't expecting the outcome to be what it was. Yeah. The the good part is that that waiting time actually made me really think about how to explain like mm-hmm. the questions you had earlier, which is about why, why did I want this protected? And it really built into my future presentations as to explaining that to people when they mm-hmm. heard about what I do, not just the trademark part, but the nonprofit part. Like, why did I want my nonprofit name protected and my blueprint and 
the model of the community-based, you know, obesity program protected. And it just gave me time to really kind of dwell on that a little bit more than just going through the motions and just trying to meet deadlines and getting things submitted. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that with doing podcasts to promote this podcast, that the more I did it and the more I thought about it and the more I you know, people ask me questions about it, the the more succinct I became at doing other people's shows because I because mm-hmm. I had heard most of the questions. I had an answer for whatever question was coming. So that's yeah. definitely a benefit of doing those reps of continuously thinking about something, especially yeah. if you're passionate about it. And for me, it wound up after doing so many of those that it was like, oh, I should just write all this down and write a book. So <laughs> I, I understand that process very well. <laughs> Yeah. So Katrina, what is something that you still have on your bucket list that you'd like to cross off related um, to the nonprofit well, or not? Well, you know, I just, let me see, three months ago, I uh, did professional training uh, for keynote speaking uh, with a four-time Olympian, um, uh, Ruben Gonzalez. And you know, I did professional training for just speaking in general about a year and a half ago, but I felt like I had to discover why I'm speaking. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, the same questions as why you get nonprofit or a trademark. And I really wanted to speak to inspire people. Like it wasn't about speaking to increase business, that kind mm-hmm. of different kind of speaking. So I'm building on that and I'm still t- trying to land, you know, my first big figure, you know, in terms of, um, uh, as a speaking uh, opportunity for keynote. So I have several for this year uh, and it's paid, but it's not like big figures. And so, um, you know, Ruben Gonzalez, one of the coaches in the training said, whenever any of you guys land that, there's trouble. I said, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, wa- I'm waiting to be able to do that and just send a message to Ruben and said, I did it. <laughs> do, you, do you have an event that you would like to be a keynote speaker in that like you're like if you had dartboard it was to be the center of the dartboard and you threw yeah. a dart and is what's that event that you would like to do um i i've looked into like the uh christian like youth um retreats in steubenville ohio and it's it's like it's always booked whenever i look at it it's always booked like they have a you know a list of speakers that's sort of locked in and so that that would be kind of my breakthrough moment if I can get there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So because my ideal audience is to reach, you know, young people in college or, you know, young adult, that really Christian motivated audience and inspire people to focus on finding joy through generosity, regardless of where their wealth status is. That nice. They can still make a difference. Yeah. Awesome. Katrina, can you tell us um where folks can find more information about you, especially online, but can you also at the same time, can you, can you give a little bit more information about the nonprofit and what it does? So my nonprofit name is called faithful, the number two fitness. So faithfulfitness.org is where we can find the website and the trademark and logo. And our purpose and mission is to help reverse the childhood obesity epidemic in America, starting here in Rockford, Love Spark, Illinois. It's about creating, um, you know, 12-week programs two to three times a year in your community by looking at community partners, such as fitness centers, farms, grocery stores, uh, dietitians, culinary companies right, that provide spices and oils, but creating like nutrition lessons and 
meal prep classes and fitness opportunities where we help families overcome barriers to healthy living. So if they can't afford a gym membership, can we, you know, allow that to be overlooked, you know, for three months to get them started? You know, if they are afraid to go in the kitchen, prepare a meal, can we teach them how to do freezer meals? If they're trying to find a way to, to, um, shop healthy on a budget can a dietitian take them mm. on a grocery store tour teach them how to labor read and shop on a budget and we've done that for various kids need to learn that food doesn't come from a box right mm-hmm. it comes from the farm and how to harvest and prepare a salad and make a vinaigrette with the farm instructors so those are just like some examples of things we've done um, since 2014 with the area here and i would love to you know help people out there who are passionate like myself and volunteers and partners here to do that in their community as well. So um, that's, you know, my, my work and my website for my nonprofit, but certainly for other things in terms of, you know, speaking, authoring like the website um, to find me through mdkatrina.com and you'll learn more about my passion for generosity and teaching people how to do that and speaking opportunities to connect with your community. It's awesome that you're out there. Uh, making a difference beyond just yeah. being a physician, which is also right. making a difference. So I appreciate yeah. well, that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Katrina, I do hope that you get to Steubenville and that you get to have that opportunity to speak on that stage. That would be awesome. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity. <laughs>